Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Irrational Passions Presents. It is a review discussion. I am Alex O'Neill, your editor-in-chief, your whatever you want to call me, whatever title you want to give me today, uh, with editor-at-large and my best boy, Jared Green, here as well. Oh, hi. Uh, We're here to talk about uh, this this year's Star Wars game that everybody's been playing. Everyone... uh, Yeah, you know, I heard about it. Seems to be a fan of Fallen Order, I would say... Uh, we'll, we'll dance around spoilers here. I'm not trying to ruin anything, but we're going to talk about it, uh, in a critical light. So if you are listening and you don't want to know anything about it, um, this might not be the thing for you, but if you, if you feel conflicted about it, like I do, or maybe feel very positive or very negative and you want to hear people talk about it in that regard, I think this would be a good fit for you. So just go ahead and also shout out to you getting this far, um, or this long without having like very key moments and like impressionable ideas like ruin for you because <laughs> people have been nonstop talking about this. True, sure, yeah. Everyone's watch. talking about this. Um so Jerry, you I assume you finished uh Fallen Order. Yes. Um I finished it last week. Uh and I we both played on the Jedi Master difficulty, which is like the hard difficulty. It's just yes. to lay groundwork here. I played on Xbox One X. You played on PS4 Pro? Nope, just on normal PS4. How did it do on normal PS4? Let me t- I'll tell you what. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I want to know, honestly. That video game. So I, I people tell me. So this is one of those video games where I was I'm pretty sure everyone had a similarly poor experience playing it. No matter what machine they were playing it. I want to believe that, but like the way people talk about this game and we'll talk about it, but it feels like they're just totally letting that slide or it just wasn't there altogether. I feel like it's definitely they're letting them letting it slide because I've watched like people play on PC and like they're experiencing the same problems I had. So I think like I feel like the only difference performance wise was maybe the a the the frames per second were probably higher on your pro your Xbox One X because you can kind of change like to performance mode. I did, so I never um, I totally forgot about performance mode. I've never tried that. I should go back and try it just see what that's like. And like it, it doesn't necessarily change like the visual fidelity doesn't change like so noticeably when you do this. Um, but the but the FPS absolutely does and it stays stable at a sixty. But the technical problems I ran into, I, I watched plenty of people also run into, no matter what device they're playing on. So, whereas, like, saying playing control, I feel like was probably probably better with the play control on PC. Mm-hmm. Um, here, like, my old, ruddy PlayStation 4 that sounds like a jet when I play anything that's not, like, a card game, um, was doing the same work everybody else was trying to make this game run. Yeah, like, I bet. I mean, sufficiently. So I, you know, playing on X, I had a similarly, I assume, difficult time. But like, you know, generally, I would say it was smooth. Uh, the frame rate was all right. Um, and again, I was playing on whatever high fidelity visual mode is. I forgot because I only went through the settings. I think at the beginning, totally forgot about performance mode. Honestly, I would have switched to that if I had remembered. Or at least tried it out at some point, but um, I yeah, it just man, there was just so many problems, so many crashes, um, so many like just frustratingly, uh, like things that I'm inputting are not <laughs> registering or not happening, and so like the first thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, I think like, and and we're gonna start negative, and I promise we'll get to some positive stuff. I promise there are I do feel good about certain parts of this game. Um, yeah, like ultimately I like this game. I think ultimately I'm mixed, uh, but I do like parts of it. Um, But the the I feel like the 
my problem with the combat and the gameplay, which is, you know, Souls-esque, if you will, uh, it is, I think Michael Huber from Easy Alley has called it Friendly Souls, which I like. I appreciate that. Um, mostly because, like, when you get your stuff back uh, after you've died, you just have to hit the guy. And it's like, all right, you got it back. You're good. You can run away now. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Which is very friendly. Um, but it just doesn't, like, the thing that, that break broke that comparison and broke that relationship for me of, like, Souls to, to Fallen Order is, like, everything felt very unreliable. If I if I hit the heal button, there are times where you know he'll say the thing like BD one, I need help, or like he'll say it and just nothing happens. And I'll and like he'll or even like the animation will begin. His hand might yeah. like move and then never like move to the top of the arc, and therefore a thing will just pop out of BD and hand it to himself. But he clearly, it acknowledged you pushed the button. Yeah, and you really needed it if you used it. Because why would you need it? And to push that button and then nothing happen and then see like three giant like creatures descending on you is like a real, you know, it's not the greatest feeling. It's a huge bummer. And it happened so much. Like if, if this was a four or five times throughout the whole game, it would be one thing. But like I was in like 20s and 30s by the time I was done. Or if it was like there's a series of animations that I can't interrupt while doing this Yes, or this will happen. Then I'll just know to play around that. If that was the case, then that would be kind of serviceable too. But this was just like, if the actions too, if, if things are going too fast, then they just not, it just may not work. It can't keep up. Like it, it felt like I was breaking the game and the animation priority couldn't, like break through to like just give me the goddamn heal. I needed it, right? right. Um, I didn't need to take this extra step first. You could have just stopped the step and gave me this heal. But that unreliability, I feel like, translated to a lot of other things in combat as well. Like parrying, I feel like sometimes I would nail it and I'd be like, "All right, I think I got it this time." And other times, it's like, "No, it's different. I guess I was wrong." Like I, I always, I, I couldn't like set my watch to parrying, and maybe that's because the harder difficulty tightens the window. But it just felt like sometimes the exact same input would work and sometimes it wouldn't. Um, and that also, like, I feel like sometimes bosses, specifically bosses, would do, like, red animation moves that you can't block, but sometimes those moves weren't red and I still couldn't block it, but sometimes I could block it. Like, I, I never felt like I had a solid grasp on the the hard rules. It felt like there were no hard rules. Nothing was sacred. Uh, well, I feel my problem with it wasn't necessarily that, like, the windows were inconsistent for me. It's that the animation is so weird. Like, the space between when you push the button and he swings the sword and makes, like, a hurt box for fighting game fans. A hurt box is when your your model makes an action, and if anyone hits you during these animations, during these frames as animation, you do damage to it, or you're attacking them. Mm-hmm. A hit box is, like, how much of your your sprite can receive... Yeah, where you could actually hurt box before it it actually registers as an impact. The the time in which like Cal becomes dangerous isn't immediately when you hit the the button. It's when you he has to like swing like almost like reach back first before he swings forward. So like that second of reach back is a weird window to work around. And the same thing happens when you're deflecting or under blocking. He has to lift the saber up first and. That you are not invulnerable when you do that. So you almost have to be like a, a a half a second faster than you think you have to be on at least in JM Master anyway. Yeah. And it 
It just, I don't know, it never, it always, it felt kind of mushy, you know, it felt like I was walking around in a swamp, where like, mm-hmm. sometimes things would react fast enough, and sometimes they wouldn't, and I didn't, I didn't have a good grasp on, on what, why things had to be different sometimes, and that just resulted in so much frustration, and I think the general moment-to-moment combat uh, is fine, uh, because like when you're not fighting one enemy for too long, that's you don't really notice these things. But like the bosses is where all of these problems came to the forefront and it ruined almost all of them for me. Like only the the first one, I kind of got through at a good enough clip that things didn't start to feel hairy. And maybe because I had less powers at the time. Um, but like Malakor and uh, uh, the the last boss are just they were just very miserable for me. But I think part of it is also so the Sekiro um comparison is it's hard. has been like pretty apt. Yeah. Um because the design the combat design here is clearly like very similar in that it's more fast paced, less sort of sword and board hide behind your shield to there's like a vulnerability, more like a parry as it's happening and and way more risk reward like Sekiro is. Mm-hmm. But there's even mechanics that are similar, like like micro mechanics that are similar. Like if you on, on certain foes, if you can block a string like an entire combo in Sekiro, you do bonus um, posture damage to the thing doing the combo to you. Yep. Um, that's how. That's the difference between someone who's like struggling through a boss and like is killing a boss like with no problem is that you've probably blocked like its entire big string of attacks and now the next thing you do does like ridiculous amounts of staggered damage to it here it's like if you block some of the bigger enemies it'll give you like for some of the big monsters it'll actually give you like an execute animation if you block like three of their attacks in a row or something or deflect their attacks in a row or whatever yeah but in like bosses there is no mechanic like that like if you did manage to deflect like one of their long strings of attacks, like there is no bonus except it doesn't kill you, and fe- you're not. It feels kind of crummy. You you have you've gained a no. You haven't really gained like position in this fight. You kind of just didn't die. Yeah. So they get the back up and re and like reset themselves and then continue back to you. It, that's that's very. That feels almost very like PlayStation Two like boss design where it's kind of like you're just surviving till they give you an opportunity to hit them. Yeah. So like. I wrote a question down here of, do you think this game coming out the same year as Sekiro hurts it? Uh, and I've been avoiding, in all of my conversations about Fallen Order, I've been avoiding the, the Sekiro comparison or the Souls comparison. I just want to talk about Fallen Order as is. But to bring the comparison in for a little bit, do you think that like Sekiro existing in the same year as Fallen Order hurts it? Or is like just the sheer power of Star Wars enough for it? Whatever, who cares? I... I- I haven't seen anyone make a comp- like a comparison to Sekiro that um, made Jedi seem inferior to it. Yeah, it seems like anyone who wants to put who wants to have that conversation has already kind of recognized that they don't necessarily want to. They're not here to to pick who's better. Mm-hmm. They they consider them different games for lots of reasons. I think the real reason is because it's a Star Wars game, and the weight of Star Wars is kind of bigger than. This, this sort of micro comparison, but I think that's not a, if you're not, if you don't want to make the real comparison, then maybe just don't do it. Right. Like otherwise, if we're going to talk about how Sekiro and Jedi uh, Fallen Order are the same, you kind of have to have this conversation about how 
deflection works in Sekiro in a way that it doesn't work in Jedi for lots of reasons. Yeah. Um, why, why feeling like you're doing, why, why a boss fight can feel like such a push and pull sort of like really active, um, engaging activity in Sekiro where it also, where it often just feels like you're hitting buttons so you don't die and, and fall in order. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the last boss, which is like, a, a, maybe the, the, the one boss fight I didn't like dislike, um, it didn't feel out of place. It kind of made a lot of sense. Uh, by then, you have lots of powers, and you can you can kind of feel like you're being an active participant in this fight now. Yeah. Um, but it's just a lot of bullshit that fight. <laughs> it is, it, and and it's also a great example of like how just animations kind of make watching make make no, make knowing what to do and what decisions you should make at the time difficult. Yeah. Like you have to have like it like that's a game kind of like Sekiro where you can't like take a month off and come back and expect to just be all right. Like you kind of have to know how that game, the speed at which that game moves to be any good at it. Yeah. Um, with some of these hard fights anyway. Yeah. And like, I, I hate to bring it up because I think it is reductive and like, I've been a fan of from software for many, many years and, and secular clicked with me, especially in particular, anyone who's read my review, or heard me talk about it. Like I, that's my personal probably favorite game of 2019. And, it's it's a it's a really phenomenal it was like a religious experience for me almost like of how well the combat clicked with me but like that i just put that out there of like point of reference for why when things didn't click together in fallen order like it was even more frustrating because like that close of like i've seen somebody do this uh, it, I've, I, we are so close to like nailing this, but we're not there, and it just the the disconnect is is so frustrating to see. And I, I feel like respawn can get there, and they will. But uh, the thing I keep coming back to that makes me feel better, and it's like maybe half reductive, half lifting up fallen order of like, hey, this is still really impressive. Is Sekiro is like the culmination of like years of making games like this and tweaking little things here and there and pulling all the right things into a faster, more brutal system uh, and knowing what you want to get rid of and what you want to add to it to make it better. Where, and, and like, again, Demon's Souls came out in 2009 or whatever. So they've mm-hmm. they've been, like, refining this type of gameplay, like, to the point where they literally made their own genre that Fallen Order is solely kind of fitting into, um, which is, you know, we're talking about the master versus, like, somebody coming in. Uh, and this is Respawn's first crack at it, and I would say it's very impressive if you look at it, it especially from the stance of, wow, they've only ever made first-person shooters, and they made this right. game, uh, and it's totally different. <laughs> the other game they made this year was Apex Legends. Yeah, and, and Titanfall and Titanfall <laughs> 2, like, very different kinds of video games than this, and they're, like, copying, like, I think a very specific kind of thing, and if this is their first crack at it, I would love to see them improve and for sure get more time because of how buggy it is and 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 just to polish it up and and get it up to snuff hopefully ea will give them more time next run but i definitely think it's important to compare you know no it's important like it it can seem reductive so long as you make it that way Mm -hmm. but if you have like an affinity and an attachment to a game that's doing similar things that did it before, but not having the same attachment to this other game that's clearly in its footsteps, it's important to know why. Mm-hmm. And that comparison can be the road to understanding why. So 
avoiding the conversation because you don't want it to be um, just a, you know, a surface level, you know, the dark Souls of Star Wars. <laughs> yes. Um, is fair, but I think it's also important to be able to identify like the specifics. Um, if you can't do that, then sure, don't do it, right? But I, I feel like here it's it's okay to do it as long as you're you know making an effort to do so. Yeah, it's a real. One. It's part of why like I still felt the need that we should talk about it here. Of like, I trust you and I to at least you know know what we're talking about in this situation, uh, and also like it 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 should be discussed. It should be brought up at the very least, especially you know they came out in the same year. They they're very close to one another in a, in a surprising way. And I feel like this is the first time a big company has like done a little bit of this kind of game. I guess like there may be some smaller instances of it, but a very Souls-like video game, and it's been well received and like it's it worked. You know, it was a, I think it was the right call in a lot of cases. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think it's one of those. Um, we always kind of find ourselves looking at like game mechanics or um maybe tropes and saying like i hope this is something that sticks mm-hmm. like like i like i hoped that the nemesis system would find its way out of the that mordor series it hasn't really but like it's such a good idea that like i wouldn't mind someone copying this um same with souls like I don't feel like Miyazaki has to be the only person making these games. Yeah. Um, You can put these in lots of different scenarios because it really is just a language for play and not necessarily, it doesn't have to be the entire theme and lore like Miyazaki wants it to be. Um, And where Fallen Order takes a lot from prestige AAA games, like we kind of expect it to, like there, there are lots of moments in Jedi Order that are basically just Uncharted. Um, it's sort of refreshing and, and and sort of hopeful that they also wanted to make this game like this other really weird thing that has a super niche, growing, you know, pretty large but also very niche audience, um, and trying to attract the, the things that make them sort of excited about their kind of combat too. Like this could have easily have just been um, medieval. Or something like just a third-person action <laughs> game where you hit a button until someone dies. Like that, they even wanted to make a layered sort of attempt at a nuanced combat. Um, and then Ka- Cal is. takes off his skull and rolls it towards the enemy. <laughs> Shoots lightsaber beams with a crossbow. Or like any other, it, this could have been the Force Unleashed, which was not a very complex game. It was just like a a a cheaper sort of lower uh, lower input. God of War or something. Yeah, and maybe like because I like um I like the Souls games. To me, them doing that kind of game instead of something more like God of War or whatever, like games that I like less, I would say than the Souls games. Uh, it it makes me it just assume it has nuance, and I think uh, in some cases it does. In some cases, like the the kind of unreliability of everything just damages that. Um, yes. and maybe that's not like what they were going for necessarily. Uh, but I, I certainly feel like that's where they should go from here. Uh, if they make Fallen Order 2, I want more like the the parry every single hit in a combo and, and break it. And you know, like I want more of that really mm-hmm. leaning into the, the moment-to-moment hit of every single attack. 
Yes. And like kind of refining like these windows of time, like having a, a better visual language for the kind of, um, for the kind of play expected from the player. Yeah. Like, like things glowing red when it's unblockable is helpful. But what's also helpful is that when there's like six enemies on the screen and two behind you that you can't see, like having a, a better way to know who's doing what and when yeah, would be great. Yeah. And I think like on the podcast on an episode of IPP, you talked about how stuff kind of gets to that Batman Arkham level, like where you're like, all right, this guy does that thing and I don't like that thing. And this guy's over here with these eyes and I'm, I'm not trusting them. Uh, and, right. and you kind of have to manage that. I, and again, like comes back to the, the those moments of crowd control and using your force powers, which again don't really work on bosses. Like so, the force powers right. are kind of removed from a lot of those fights. Uh, not always, but sometimes. So using a bunch of your abilities and uh, different like lightsaber forms and everything to deal with combat of multiple enemies around you is the best parts of the combat. I think. Yeah. And I think it works. It doesn't work in boss fights. And part, it, it, it gives me the same feeling I got from like playing Doom mm-hmm. where like everything about Doom is great except the boss fights because the boss fights don't let you do all the things that make the rest of Doom great. Yeah. You kind of have to play them straight where you lack kind of the mechanical creativity that you would have in a room full of dudes um, where as like by the end of Fallen Order, there's like a really great scene at the end of Fallen Order. Um, that's like a like almost literally like a dojo, and you walk into oh, it, yeah, and just doors keep opening, and dudes keep coming out, and you get to really use everything you know at that point. It's great to like moments where you like throw people off ledges too to get like a extra edge in that fight, right. and you see the dude that you really don't want to deal with like across the screen. So like you throw a you you force pull him to you first, yeah. or you they throw him into other people, and like they they stutter back and they start hitting each other. Like it's very like. That is when the combat makes the most sense because you can do all the things you want to do. Yeah, that and that was like the the final boss for me of like, all right, this is like the satisfying kind of culmination of all the things I've learned in combat. And like this this sort of concept that you need to have like a boss to fight. Um, and then not being able to translate all the cool things about your combat into those boss fights is kind of silly, um, especially at this point. Like that, again, that's a that's like feels like a PS2 design. Where, like, every level has a boss fight, so, like, we need to give you a boss fight here. Yeah. Um, you gotta fight a big lightsaber this time. Like, a, th- yeah. a thick one. <laughs> we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> like, it, it really felt like something just ridiculous was gonna be another obstacle. Um, yes. I, uh, I wrote this question down here, and we, we've talked around it a little bit, uh, and I, I mentioned it at the front, but, uh, like, I feel like just... There's a lot of messy stuff in this game. A lot of animation, a lot of jumps, a lot of falls, a lot of dumb deaths that I had, and a lot of that unreliability in combat, sometimes due to like frame hitches and glitches, hard crashes, like a lot of bugs. Um, and do you think that this game is getting a pass because of the Star Wars? I just want to know what you think, Jared. Uh, I think it's absolutely. And I think part of it is because people are so sad because this is literally the game they wanted for like 15 years. Yeah. And it's, Um, it has that, those parts (laughs) in it, you know, like people have just wanted to play maybe like a harder core, like more open worldy force unleashed. Mm -hmm. It's been since the force unleashed since they played a game like this, basically. And even that wasn't the game they wanted necessarily, but it was like fine because it was close. Um, But 
what Force Unleashed two was I don't even remember. Like that couldn't have been two that two thousand ten maybe. Two thousand ten like, is like the latest it could have been, right? <laughs> so like that's nine years ago. Yeah. Um people have been waiting for something like this for nine years. So they'll take anything, really. And honestly, there's lots to like about the game. Yeah. So I think people are just focusing on the positive. Yeah. Um, I think the problem with just focusing on the positive is that it gives people the wrong impression. Yeah, I think that, I, this, that this game is flawless and it's not the truth. I had the wrong impression going into it, too. Like, I, I didn't necessarily, like, listen to a lot of reviews or anything, but I, I knew the reception to it was positive. I was looking forward to it. I wanted to know what it was going to be about. But, like... I feel like I just got the wrong impression that it it is messier than I thought it would be. Right. Uh, and I was in already like I was going to play this game. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't waiting for reviews to tell me whether this was what I expected or not. But like especially after playing it and then reading some of the reviews that are still coming out and the commentary is still happening about this game. It's strange to me that. I, and it And it can't be just me. That's like looking at these things and thinking how this like if any other game was this buggy, it'd be a problem. Mm -hmm. Like, in fact, other games are this buggy and it's a problem. Yeah. Um, And it's not it's not like charming buggy in the way that Fallout was uh, because Fallout at least worked when you wanted it to. The difference is like if you blasted like a rad scorpion to death, the rad scorpion might now just like float through space eternally. Yeah. <laughs> like you might shoot it into the sky and it just floats through the sky now. Um, Here it's more like you, but, you might stab a dude and then fall through the world to your death. Right. <laughs> or you open a door, you take a hard right and open a door and just there's no floor in the door so you just fall into the center of the planet. Yeah. And burn um, up. Burn up <laughs> Like, or like you think you, you're trying to make a jump you can make, but for some reason, either the way the animation begins and ends like how you press the jump or where you press the jump just means like either you'll make it or you won't. And you just really know it has nothing to do with the distance, nothing to do with where you, where you decide to jump on the, on the takeoff. It's just like, maybe you will, maybe you won't. Yeah. Or maybe because you landed how you landed, like maybe you weren't looking directly at a ledge. Uh, you won't grab onto the ledge. So now you just, you just fell. And, uh, that happens a lot. I fell a lot. I fell in a lot of pits. Uh, yeah. I would say, like, though, in spite of the lack of fast travel, which is a big hitter for, like, post-game especially, uh, and in spite of the, the weird jumping that happens a lot, I, the exploration and, and getting around the worlds and everything is still maybe the best part about this game. Uh, that and the story and the characters with it. Um, but I, like, in particular, really clicked with just running around the environments. Uh, it was the first time, I think in a Star Wars game where as, as someone who's not super into Star Wars, um, I, I really connected with the, the crashed ship aesthetic and, and like there's like one, I think it's like a destroyed star destroyer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, that's like a really cool location. And like you go through the hallways and it's like the hallways of the star destroyer, but it's like moss grown over and everything. Um, I think they, they do a great job of making those cool places like even going to Dothamir, which sucked for the most part, um, but like it's like oh, like this is where Darth Maul comes from. It's like I felt like I was in a in a whole Star Wars, <laughs> like it, it was, right. which was cool. Uh, and the exploration specifically felt like 
Metroid Prime, like Prime One, Prime Two era Metroid Prime. How the map worked, how like you could kind of see ledges and stuff and secrets that you could see on the map, and then go there and find hidden things. Like how they showed where you could come back and use powers that you have now or areas that you hadn't explored yet. I, I really thought they nailed that stuff. I do too. I think the problem with the exploration is that there's nothing like worth finding at the end of them. Yeah. Like there's one or two true, like really cool things to find. There's like one, only maybe one actual upgrade in this game. Um, well, that's not true. I guess, uh, the stim one gets a couple upgrades too. Is, and, and yeah, B one um, gets some cool stuff. Um, but otherwise most of the punctuation on the end of all of these sort of, um, exploration puzzles is like a poncho <laughs> it's true yeah it, or like it, a color scheme and like <laughs> i like who def- i don't fucking want this i really like, hated all the cosmetic stuff and it's not that cosmetics can't be cool and worth like pursuing but this is literally just he has the same costume but just different colors yeah and all the colors are like not compelling at all like i liked i like customizing lightsaber i like making it like kind of look how i want it to look whatever that would be like just my own unique thing but like even like different lightsaber color gems like spruce throughout the environment would i think been a more enjoyable collectible just because that's a more radical change for your appearance and what you're doing i think yes and like especially like star wars people love that shit (laughs) they do they love customization they like fucking lightsaber colors they like armor they like robes and shit like if he wore something that wasn't like a flight suit and a poncho that was just different colors and you can find those things that'd be something worth doing i think but it's it was just really disappointing when you like solve a puzzle um that may give you a little bit of trouble or you you pull off like a long chain of wall jumps and and all and double jumps and whatever just to like open up a chest and it's like new poncho color. I'm like, man, fuck you. Uh, I don't know about you, but I didn't go like one of the early planets is I think Bogano is like the first one you really go to. I didn't go back there until like way the end of the game. So I like beat Malachor with three stims and it was the worst experience of my life. So I didn't do that. Okay. I definitely was like looking for like so I didn't really go back to puzzles, but if it was like on my like our, our exploration thing, mm-hmm. but if it was on my way, I definitely made an attempt. Yeah. Um so I think I had I ended the game with like seven. I think I had maybe five when I fought him. So I had I played through almost the entire game with three, as it turns out. <laughs> I found out wow. very late. Uh and then the last area of the game was the only area of the game I played with five, and that's how I ended the game. So I I was playing like extra hard mode. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that fight with three. It honestly. was I like I got <laughs> real good at it. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> I got real good at because not those hit. boss fights are like difficulty spikes to like a thousandth degree. Yeah, like, that bat really fucked me up. I'll tell you what. Yeah, you were doing some. You're like you think you're good at this game until you face a boss, and you're like, bro, this is like not only are the mechanics completely different. I can't use anything I I normally do. Pairing only works half the time. It only works half the time, or with the bat, never. Yeah. <laughs> and this thing hits me for, like, more than half my health every time it touches me. So I guess I can just go fuck myself, is what this game is telling me. Yeah, it's brutal. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it is satisfying when you beat him, but I remember, like, 
the the ninth sister or whatever, which is like the first. I feel like you're off on your own, and this is like the first boss fight where you actually have to get the health bar all the way to the end. Um, right. And I was like, at the end of it, I was like, man, I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be honest with myself. I'm not happy. I'm not a happy camper. Um, I just wish, and like at least in that fight, there are there are prompts that you can kind of see that you can use your force powers yes. in some ways. Like you see her jump back and like rear down the like the charge at you. You can force push her during that charge, mm-hmm. and it feels like you know I'm actually doing something that doesn't just dodge away from her. Yes, um, the other fights are not like this. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's it it, it, it there's a lot of ups and downs <laughs> with it. Um, we haven't talked about the story and the characters at all yet, though. Um, did this overall work for you? We talked about it a little bit on an older podcast, but about how um, Trilla, the the villain, is very good. But overall, did everything come together for you? I think so. Um, I am a pretty big, at least I was a pretty big Star Wars fan. Um, like I read all the now the quote unquote legend stuff that what used to be the expanding universe, not all of it, but I read a lot of it. Dang. Um, and like the movies are cool, but they tell pretty um, movie ass stories about like Jedi and space outlaws in the force. But like there are lots of really good sort of interesting sort of permutations of all those concepts in like the extended universe that you never really see bubble up in the main canon, like in any significant way. So probably one of the biggest things you never see, or you don't see enough of um, outside of like the prequel trilogy is like how people become, how people get turned to the dark side, Mm -hmm. like how tragedy really kind of imprints how or how a tragedy makes the force kind of imprint away about you that that becomes difficult for you to sort of live beyond like it's more it's more than just a person making decisions it's it is that but the best kind of conversation that happens in really good star wars characters is like how much of this is the force telling you to do this or are you kind of just giving in to these things and letting and letting this become you mm-hmm. um and you you see these things ha- you see like very good villains have this conversation all the time like in the extended universe but really never in the movies um with like Trilla being a good example of this like clearly she wasn't always this way and this is the really a, a, a the story of this game is like the various shades of how trauma can affect someone mm-hmm. and she is the one she's the, she's the best example of like how when you can't be it with through your own power or you don't have the support system to do so you can let trauma sort of make you the worst version of yourself especially when that trauma is attached to like supernatural magic powers and shit you start you start like you start asking yourself like is this a good idea when like all signs point to yes because now i can force stroke people yeah um reinforces your your bad behavior right and very like it doesn't really happen that way in the movies like you don't like bad guys in the movies are just bad because they like doing bad guy shit kyle is like the closest we've gotten to that kyle is the closest you get to someone you're watching struggle with the dark side yeah and struggle letting himself become the person he has to be to be like the biggest badass that makes he has to be a giant dickhead and it's really that that's not the life that he's like 
live in, but he's created himself context in the first in these last two movies where he has kind of has to do this now. Um, which is interesting. Like these people aren't just born Darth Vader, right? They have to be. No one wakes up and it's like I'm just going to do bad for the Except rest of for my Darth life. Vader. Darth Vader, as we found out, was just kind of born how he was, and he just kind of walked along, and then he was there. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and another, like you, you always see the heroes struggle, like to be good, to like overcome. And that's like Cal's kind of basic in that way, but he has the extra shaded, like sort of wrench thrown into the system where he's also a person who's like the force kind of fucked him. Yeah. His relation, like everything he thought he knew about it was like, got him almost killed him and everybody, you know, was basically killed and he was content not doing any of that shit anymore. Then, like, he was forced to do it. I wish there was kind of more, like, conversation about, like, how, like, he kind of meets that crew and is like, yeah, this is, like, I just go, I'll go do good now. I know I was hiding for, like, basically says my adolescence since till forever, but, like, these two dudes, they can This miss seems me. good. Like, and, this seems what and, I should do. In the one outing we had together, they were like, yeah, you know what? I'm into it. Yeah. It, it definitely, um, like, Cal is, like, I think the weakest character. And that, it's not that he's bad. He, he just... I, I feel like they don't give him a lot to say. Um, yes. And you know what? He's a better Luke in that way. Yeah. As far as, like, the original trilogy is concerned. Luke was kind of like a basic skills character. He was just, like, this, the, the, the very easiest sort of hero's journey-ass dude. And Cal is that, but maybe a bit more nuanced in the right ways. Yeah, and it's it's good. Like his um, how he plays off of all of the other characters that he interacts with. Like he builds them all up around him. He's like very much like a good foil for a lot of the people that you get to interact with, especially Trilla. Like I, I feel like Cal like gets under her skin in a really great way that that brings out a great dynamic. Um and uh, Marin, who's a character that comes in later in the story, who I loved, I thought she was the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it, 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 they they surprise you with like how characters come in, how the the kind of cast that you have grows. Uh, and also BD One is fucking excellent. Uh, and I'm like blown away by how much they did a did a thing that I feel like stereotypically doesn't work. And it's weird that we're in like a Mandalorian world <laughs> where like. These kind of things are happening simultaneously, but BD1 is, like, really stellar, and, like, I had genuine emotional moments with him, and it is, like, he's just kind of like a puppy, uh, and he's adorable and sweet, but, like, they, again, Cal builds that character up, they play off one another, uh, and you have, like, a real emotional connection with that character. It's awesome. Yeah, and I think the droids, like, I feel like that's always been, like, the droid role um, to be... A, a pure sort of thing where everyone else is supposed to be complicated. Um, and BD is even BD is like pure. Cause he's like a fucking, like you said, he's like a puppy, but even his story isn't simple. Um, but you, you believe their relationship by the end of that story for sure. Um, and even Cal, like they, they, they have really good moments of like how kind of showing how Cal has been affected by, his like severing from the force, like when he's like, during his dream sequences or like where he's seeing things that might not be true. Like he becomes an unreliable narrator sometimes. And in like, I think that's a pretty cool thing. You could probably not really do in a movie the same way. Yeah. 
and in Cal's relationship with his master was like one of those things where I was like, I don't know, like the, I I don't know how well they're doing this. I don't know if this is like actually going to pay off, and it does. It like totally does, and I was really surprised by that. Uh, they they tie things together. They they draw it out, and sometimes in, in a way, like there's like a kind of conflict that happens amongst the crew members that that sometimes feels a little drawn out. But they mm-hmm. they tie it together in a, in a really good way by the end of it every single time, and I think that speaks to how well Respawn does their writing and and like how much they've grown even from like Titanfall two, which like they they kind of passively tried to do that, and here they're obviously working with a lot lot bigger stakes with it being Star Wars, and they gave it their all, and they I think they told a really really cool story, and I think they um they also created like a a space within the existing sort of mythos where there's like proofs that there's still like stories to be that you can tell and like universe to build that you don't know about yet. Like Mm -hmm. this whole inquisitor thing is like an interesting wrinkle. Yeah. And you only met two of them. Yeah. And we hear like we, the second is like second sister and ninth sister, right? Like, there must be more, right? So they are right. very much leaving themselves open to tell more of the story, and uh, and like wh- where everything like goes with the 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 inqu- Inquisition, like how that all kind of caps off. I thought it was cool. I thought it was all right. Didn't overstay its welcome. No, I think I did have like mixed feelings about how this game ends. Mm-hmm. Um especially since they do the thing in this game that they do with every like additional thing that they create lore around in this time period. Um, yeah. Which I won't spoil for anyone, but you've seen it already Yeah, and you don't expect it here, but it's here. Yeah. And then you, when it happens, you're like, of course it's here. Cause why wouldn't it be? Yeah. I don't know. And it's like not a bad thing, but I'm like, Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Um, just gonna keep doing this, huh? In, li, until we're like, until the Skywalker saga is over, and we can move on to like future Star Wars, to like someone else, that'd be cool. Yeah, maybe. Um, any other thoughts, feelings, final, final words we want to say on Star Wars? I feel like we covered everything I want to cover. I think this is a good example of why the number of a score is less important than the words. Yeah. In a review. Yeah. Um, there's a good review by Brad Shoemaker over at um, Giant Bomb. Um, I think he gives this game a three out of five, or three out of five stars, or whatever. And he makes a longer case about basically what we said. Like, there's a lot to like about this game, so long as you know that there's a lot to not like about this game. Mm-hmm. And the things you don't like about this game or things that are not to like about this game are things that we can't let games get away with. And not liking these things doesn't make this game bad or not worth playing. But when your game can crash 10 times and you hard crash out of the game back to the, to the main menu or back to the dashboard, um, or if just even just minor mechanical things are not responsive to the point where it's definitely not you and it's definitely the game and it's very identifiable, you have a problem. Yeah. And we we can't just paper over the problems, pretend they're not there, 
even if they don't bother, even if you found a way to play around them, right? Because there's still problems. And if you're writing criticism for someone else as a recommendation or like a, a statement about these things, it's important you say these things to these people. <laughs> it's important you tell someone that this game will probably crash on you or that you will probably try to heal and then BD will not throw you with stick. Yeah. <laughs> even, though he, even though you told him he was going to. Or that you will jump on things and because you were just not looking the right direction or something, you will not grab onto a thing you grab onto 90% of the time and you will just fall over. Or that the checkpointing in this game is kind of weird. Or that there are lots of opportunities where this game are just is just doing weird graphical pop-in glitchy, kitschy things that like six months of polish would have solved yeah and like we know that like this game will probably look great in two months when they patch all this shit out <laughs> but like Hopefully. that's not the game we're playing right now so like it's important to mention these things and then if those things don't bother you then you're then you're about to play the best uh star wars game that's come out in the past 10 years yeah it's one of those like if i were to recommend this to someone of like all right well do you like star wars then like probably worth it to get through this if you like Star Wars at all but just I would I would let you know it's going to be a tough time sometimes right. at a, in a way that does not feel like it's in your control uh, and I think that's that, that can be a really shitty experience if you don't have that expectation or if, if it's not worth it for you to power through and if it's not then you shouldn't because uh, I feel like the problems only got worse as the game went on like I feel like the later parts of the game were less polished than the early parts of the game well, I think just definitely parts of the game were like you needed like you need your game to be more responsive and more reactive because things are getting difficult and more difficult to deal with. Mm -hmm. And when they're not, that's like way more noticeable. Yeah. Um. Cool. I think that uh that wraps us up. Um. If you, I guess we're we don't do scores for review discussions anymore, right? We don't have to no. worry about it. So there you go. There's no score. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like I've thought a lot about like what I would score this game, and I just. Nothing feels right. It's for the first time, Jared. I, I'm with you, and I can't. I just can't pin it Same. down. It only took seven years. <laughs> seven years, or whatever. Hitting me with that chisel, just breaking me down. <laughs> Listen, I got all day, baby. Um, if and by day I mean life. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's it's you and me in this perpetual destroying one another relationship for the rest of our lives. That's why it's why Irrational Passions exists. Uh, if you like this, mm -hmm. irrationalpassions.com website with a bunch of other cool stuff on it. Uh, game of the year coming up soon. Just keep uh, keep your ears peeled. We'll have a lot of podcasts to throw your way. Um, but you can follow Jarrett at Jarrett John on Twitter uh, for more of his very good opinions. And you follow me at Alfighter27 for uh, more of my very good Frozen 2 opinions, uh, of which I only have good opinions. I don't know if, oh, if anyone out there has heard. Um, IrrationalPassions.com is full of uh, people that work really hard on a lot of stuff. Listen to Irrational Passions podcast. Subscribe to Irrational Passions Presents where you're listening to this for more stuff like this and um, have a good day. <laughs>